Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Good afternoon, evening, or morning. This is your old Uncle Mosh with Raiders Fan Radio, and you are in for a treat. Sit back and get ready to listen to one of the most insanely knowledgeable people you will ever meet talk about our beloved Raiders. Another episode coming your way of Silver and Black Flashback by Rich Schmelter, the author of the Raiders Encyclopedia. Thank you so much, Uncle Mosh, for that awesome intro. Damn, I love it more and more each time I hear it. I hope to continue earning that praise you give me. And never to be left out is my man Murph, the undisputed king of all Raider podcasts. Thank you so much for this great opportunity you give me to be a part of Raiders Fan Radio. I love it so. And I also love the chance to be a part of a network that helps out so many through the One Nation Foundation that benefits Raiders-related charities. And to all my silver and black brothers and sisters around the world, I am proud as hell to bring you stories of the people and moments that helped make our Raiders history so glorious. So all right, Raider Nation, let's get going on our time together with this episode of Silver and Black Flashback. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I try to make the last line a bit sinister to get us ready for a theme-based show this week. And why do you ask? Well, the theme is Halloween, and this episode is all about one of our Raiders' finest moments on Halloween. So here we go with our Raiders game played on October 31st, 1976, in the middle of their drive to a Super Bowl title with their record set at 6-1 heading into this game. 
The Denver Broncos were their opponent on this day, and they were on the verge of having a great season in 1977. But that was still one year in the future, as they prepared to face the Raiders on Halloween Day in 1976. They had a record of 4-3 coming into this game, and were two games behind Oakland in the AFC Western Division. This was a pivotal game for them to keep their playoff hopes alive. But since 1962, the Raiders virtually owned the Broncos, posting a 25-6-2 record against them heading into this game. Yet two weeks earlier in Denver, the Raiders trailed them 10-0 until their defense rose up for its best performance of the season up to that time, and the Raiders pulled out a 17-10 win. Denver's head coach, John Ralston, was 2-6-1 against the Raiders, with both of those victories coming in Oakland in 1972 and 1974, when the Broncos snapped a nine-game Raider winning streak, 20-17, and hoped to do the same thing on this occasion by snapping the Raiders' winning streak this time at three games. The Raiders were set to not allow history to repeat the 1974 loss and looked to keep their momentum going on what was turning out to be another great season for the Silver and Black. The great Raider quarterback, Ken Snake Stabler, put it best about the season up to this point by stating that you didn't need a lawyer to argue the fact that the Raiders were in a good position. Well put, Snake. Now, the Raiders' record on previous Halloweens coming into this game was not all that Raider-like. They lost to Kansas City 14-7 in 1965 and then tied them 20-20 in 1971. With their record on Halloween at no wins and one loss and one tie, it was time to even things out on a 57-degree day with 84% humidity and a 6-mile-per-hour wind circling around the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum with a crowd of 53,805 in attendance. And with all that being said, our Raiders look to start off the second half of their 1976 season as hot as they left the first half, and did not need a lawyer or anyone else for that matter to debate the greatness of this edition of the Oakland Raiders. However, throughout the first half of this game against Denver, things looked a bit bleak for Oakland when Denver jumped out to a 6-3 halftime lead as the offense sputtered against a tough Denver defense. It was understood that the Broncos were fighting for their playoff hopes, and the Raiders made them feel somewhat confident during the game's first 30 minutes. The Broncos scored with 9 minutes and 55 seconds remaining in the first quarter on a 21-yard field goal from veteran kicker Jim Turner, who accounted for 10 of the New York Jets' points in a stunning 16-7 win in Super Bowl III. The Raiders tied things up a few minutes later when Errol Mann hit on a 23-yard field goal. Mann was also a veteran of the NFL, and was signed by the Raiders during the week leading up to this game after rookie kicker Fred Steinfort was placed on injured reserve with a torn groin muscle. And with just over one minute left in the opening quarter, Jim Turner connected on a 28-yard field goal to give the Broncos a 6-3 lead. The second quarter produced no points, and the Broncos took their hopes of a playoff run into the locker room for the halftime festivities. Snake Stabler came roaring back from a dismal first-half showing by connecting with Cliff Branch on a 43-yard pass and catch on the first series of the second half. The drive did not get much farther as a sack, 
and a penalty caused the offense to stall. Mann salvaged the drive with 8 minutes and 51 seconds left in the third quarter with a 36-yard field goal to deadlock the game at 6-6. On their next offensive series, a 52-yard reception by Branch was wasted when the Raiders were stopped short on 4th and 1 at the Denver 10. This was a case of head coach John Madden going against his usual better instincts. He always told his team to go for the kick in that situation, but he felt the offense was clicking and just one good push forward by running back Carl Garrett would have kept the drive alive. The Oakland defense held and Neil Colsey returned a punt 15 yards to the Denver 35 with the game still tied at 6-6 in the fourth quarter. Three plays after Colsey's punt return, Stabler connected with Fred Belitnikoff on a 32-yard touchdown pass over defender Steve Foley, who came into this game just one play earlier to replace Calvin Jones after he was shaken up a bit. On the day, Belitnikoff caught four passes to give him 517 career receptions, which was just four away from him moving up to sixth place on the all-time pro football reception list. With Mann's extra point kick, the Raiders finally grabbed their first lead of the game, 13-6, with 13 minutes and 37 seconds remaining in the game. The Oakland defense took over from there, and the offense went to a running attack that ate time off the clock. Clarence Davis then capped a nine-play, 63-yard drive off with a seven-yard touchdown run with just over five minutes left. Mann's conversion kick went wide, but that was all the Raiders needed to secure a 19-6 victory. Mark Van Egan led the ground attack for Oakland with 76 yards and 19 carries. Cliff Branch added another big day to his already impressive pro resume by catching three passes for 103 yards. And after starting this game off slow, Snake Stabler finished the day with impressive numbers completing 16 out of 27 pass attempts for 245 yards. But despite the heroics on offense, this day belonged to the Oakland defensive unit that sacked quarterback Steve Ramsey 10 times, with Uncle Mosh's favorite player, Otis Sistrunk, from the University of Mars, leading the charge with three of those sacks and assisting on two others. Jack, the assassin Tatum, intercepted a pass, and along with fellow defensive back George Hitman Atkinson, they stopped two fourth-down drives. This was the Raiders' fourth win in a row, and they never lost another game, en route to a convincing Super Bowl XI romp over the Minnesota Vikings by a margin of 32-14. Now, who does not know that Halloween is all about treats? Am I right? Forget those damn tricks. Once again, am I right? So here at Silver and Black Flashback, we are ready to give the Raider Nation faithful a special Halloween treat in the form of a Raiderette story. After all, it has been a while since we focused on one of football's fabulous females, so let's get to it. Enjoying two stints as a Raiderette, Sandy Wolshin also enjoyed life as a stand-up comic in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Lake Tahoe as well as entertaining American troops stationed at Air Force bases in Okinawa and Guam. And if that wasn't enough, this fabulous female appeared in the film Star 80 and also wrote, produced, and performed in the highly acclaimed one-woman stage show, The Rabbi and the Cheerleader. 
Sandy was born in Miami, Florida, and lived in that area during her first nine years of life. Her family eventually settled in Venice, California, and it was once in the Los Angeles area that Sandy blossomed into a star. She was a cheerleader in high school and had the desire to pursue acting. She auditioned for a musical comedy review at Santa Monica College and managed to get the parts in all of the musical numbers. The allure of the stage then took hold, and she turned her attention to stand-up comedy. In time, she built an act around her time as an NFL cheerleader and her Jewish faith. She hit the big time when she appeared alongside comedy greats Jerry Seinfeld and Jay Leno. Sandy's time as a Los Angeles Raiderette began in 1983-84 during the Raiders' Super Bowl 18 season. Following that magical season, she decided to follow her dream of comedy. That desire began one year before she became a Raiderette. On an open mic night at the Comedy Store on Sunset Boulevard, Sandy waited five hours before getting her chance to perform. She then went off making her rounds at comedy clubs, but decided to give cheerleading one more try. In 1992, eight years after her first stint as a Raiderette, Sandy was back in uniform and had a five-year career as one of football's fabulous females. Well, that wraps up our time together on Silver and Black Flashback. And before closing out this show, I want to give out some respect to Karen with an I, who gave me much encouragement about this show during its early time. And maybe, just maybe, you and Brad will enjoy more film classics like The Astounding She-Monster. No? Okay. Moving on. And never to be left out is Jim P., a great friend of the show and of mine. So glad to see you finally got some new superhero t-shirts to wear. Keep rocking those awesome shirts, my man. And with that, I will close out our time together like I always do with the words I embrace each and every day. So until the next time we get back together once again, here it comes, and say it with me, everyone. Love you, Red Nation! If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.